How are you doing this morning? Doing good? Good. Um, so uh, we're rolling with the B team this morning. I hope y'all are okay with that. I'm not Chad Rogers. Uh, normally youth pastors only get to preach uh, two times a year um, after Christmas and uh, what is it, after Easter? There's like two times whenever the, they, they, deign, they you know, feel comfortable letting the youth pastor have to preach. Um, that was a joke. You can laugh. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Hey, I'm, maybe I am a little bit like Chad Rogers because I just asked you to laugh at a joke. So um, that's funny. That's another joke you should laugh at. So I am learning. Chad is teaching me important things about pastoring, and that is to ask you to laugh at my jokes. Um, so uh, just want to give you an update. Um, the elders and pastors and staff, we just had a great time last week uh, at the Advanced North America Conference. Uh, just a chance for us as a team to um, just to rest and to learn and to be refreshed. And uh, it's just, it was just an awesome time. I know anyone who was there would uh, come up and uh, just share um, how we were refreshed and were united as a team. Uh, I was talking with uh, Aaron, my wife, last night, and we were just sharing how uh, with each other how encouraging it was for us. And uh, so Chad and Jen are getting some, uh, some much needed rest uh, hanging out right now. And I'm um, just so, so thankful for them. I uh, just want to say, uh, just with the uh, pastor appreciation, just so thankful for Chad and Jen and their uh, leadership in our church. So uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at finding our gifts by serving others. And I want to start out with something that... Uh, just uh, every, everyone has to have an illustration, so here's mine. Um, just something that I just kind of saw the gospel while we were gone, and y'all are going to think this is something really profound, but it, I assure you it's not. Um, but it is, it is good. Um, so we were, uh, we were flying into um, L.A. for this conference, and um, we were waiting. Uh, you know how it is in the airport, right? Nod your head. It's like the best place on earth, right? Um, so we were waiting... Uh, waiting in line in the giant line that uh, everyone just as soon as they call zone one everybody from zone four rushes up there like they're going to get in somehow um so we're all waiting there just for our zone to be called and they're swiping boarding passes and this guy walks up and he swipes his boarding pass and you and you know how it's supposed to just ding and they let you on through well his made this weird noise and i was like man is he like not supposed to be here or something and the flight attendant looked at him and this was a flight from uh, memphis to la and the flight attendant looked at him and he said, uh, you're supposed to be going to Detroit. <laughs> it's like, you're supposed to be going to Detroit. It's a flight to L.A. And I thought like, and he was like, oh, oh, okay. And I thought like, what if he had gotten through? Like, and he was just and on this plane and like, like uh, Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, he just ended up in a place that he didn't know he was going to be. 90s kids, anybody please get that joke? Um, thank you. Um, man, am I getting old that no one even recognizes a Home Alone joke anymore? Um, so anyway, I was just thinking to myself, like, it would be so interesting if we got on that, that plane and just ended up in L.A. And uh, the uh, Puritan uh, William Bradford in me came out and I was, like, thinking, like, this is an illustration of the gospel. And it really just made me laugh. Like, imagine you're supposed to go to Detroit. And anybody from Detroit in here, because I'm not knocking Detroit, you could easily say this about Memphis, which is my hometown. But imagine you're supposed to go to Detroit and, like, you end up in L.A. Like, just, you're, like, in a plane, you're about to land in Detroit, and all of a sudden you're in L.A. and California. You're like, man, like, that's the gospel. Like, didn't even know it was going to happen, but didn't deserve it, weren't, weren't planning on it, all of a sudden you're in L.A. Um, that is the uh, air, air travel version of the gospel that, uh, anyway, that may, not, may or may not have been a good joke, but um, it's done now anyway, so uh, thank you. Um, 
so today we're going to be talking about finding our gifts by serving others. So during this series, we've looked at what it means to be human. And um, I was a philosophy major in school, and a lot of times when you talk or hear people talk about being human, um, it is something that is utterly devoid of God. Um, it could be talking about secular humanism or what it is to truly live out being a human in that a lot of times that gets attributed as just, just go with your heart, just live like you want to live. That's what it is to be human. But um, I resist that completely because um, the world does not have a corner on what it is to be human. Um, the world and the flesh and the devil did not create us perfectly. God did. And God created us in his image. He created humanity. He created all the ins and outs, all of the pleasures, all of the, the purpose. He created it and he owns it. And not only does he own it, but he's going to redeem it from its fallen state. So when we're talking about being human, we're not talking about some, some humanistic philosophy of, of, of self-betterment. We're talking about becoming what the Creator intended and what the Creator wants. And he wants that for all of us. So we're going to look today at Jesus, the perfect human, who lived in the flesh perfectly, who, um, when things went wrong in the garden, when the fall happened, God already had in His mind the perfect human to come and to show us this is what it was supposed to be like. This is what I intended. This is what it means to be human. So we're going to look at what it means to serve as a human and what that means for us finding our gifts, finding out who God created us to be. Okay? Nod your heads. Everybody good? Good. Yeah. Another thing, this is free, but um, we want to create a culture of uh, interaction here. So uh, uh, you're more than welcome. If I say something, you're like, man, that was lame. You're more than welcome. You can just say like, just stare at me like this. But if I say, if you say something that the Lord speaks to you, please just encourage me because uh, it's been a long week, so I'm, I don't want to fall asleep. So please encourage me verbally. All right? Thank you. Thank you. And I encourage you, please, I just say that aside, do that, do that all the time. Do that for Chad. Like, that's, that's just the best. Like, let's, let's encourage each other. We're going to talk about that later in this sermon. All right, let's look at uh, John 13. So turn to John 13, verse 1. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Who's that, Bo? Who's that? Thanks, Bo. Oh, that was great. Oh, all right. So John 13, we're going to look at Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And if you're able, won't you stand as we read God's word? We're going to read through verse 17. John 13 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what, am I, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, 
The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was about to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am, so I am, so I am. I'll get that right. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray for this morning. Father, um, I just ask this morning that you would just reveal who you are, reveal who you have made us to be. Um, Father, I, I pray for a spirit of boldness and confidence in this room. Um, I pray against the spirit of fear, um, but pray for a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And um, I just pray that uh, this morning you would bring us out of our comfort zones, that you would um, just crack open our souls uh, where we have built walls around them, Father, and you would um, pour in your love. Father, that you would uh, reveal to us places that you have gifted us that we had no idea we were gifted in. Um, Father, that you would reveal the work that your spirit has us to do. Father, we love you. We thank you that the victory is already won, that we do not toil as those who have no hope, but we toil knowing that you will renew this world, you will build a new heaven and a new earth. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, um, point number one is it is impossible to know who God has made you by yourself. There are a lot of uh, great resources. Um, there are books, there are tests, there's a lot of things to learn a lot about how God has gifted you. Um, example, uh, we just had the Enneagram course and God has been doing a lot in my life and my wife's life through the Enneagram, teaching us how we respond. The first time I learned about the Enneagram and, and kind of learned my type, I, uh, I looked at that and I thought, this makes so much sense uh, as to how I respond. And when I learned Aaron, my wife's type, it made so much sense as to how she responds to me. And um, it's been a, a very valuable tool. But if I was in a room just with that Enneagram test by myself, it wouldn't do me a whole lot of good. Genesis 1 in the beginning, before the fall, after everything on earth was good, God said something wasn't good. And it was that man was alone. From the very beginning, God has not wanted us to be alone. And the cool thing is that when this, when this problem, this not good, entered the world, God didn't throw down a book at Adam's feet. He made a person. He didn't give him a test. He gave him a person. He gave him a companion. He gave him someone to walk through life with side by side and to be intimate with face to face. And that's true of marriage. That's definitely true of marriage, but it's also true of all of us as brothers and sisters, as a church, as family, that we need each other. It's not just a marriage thing. It's a human thing. Um, 
And I think that as a family, as the church, not only is it not good for man to be alone, but it is not good for the church to be alone. So if you're in the church, if you're here, and you're a believer, and if you're a believer, you are in the church, whether you come in this building or not, you're, you're the church. It is not good for you to be alone. Um, specifically, just speaking as a man, um, guys, our culture is terrible. Um, it is not good for us to be alone. Um, and I can say uh, with confidence that I've struggled with the fact that outside of my wife, um, the depth of friendships that I have. And I know a lot of you would agree with that. Um, and uh, it's not good for us to be alone. It's not good for us to be isolated. Um, we're going to look at Hebrews 10. Uh, it'll be on the screen, but if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, uh, that speaks to this. It says this. It says, this is an amazing verse, y'all. Um, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay? So I've heard that verse a lot growing up, and it it always, in my context, was uh, go to church, which that's true. We need to be the church. We need to gather. We need to grow. We need to go. We need to give. That's what it means to be the church. But what it also means is that we need to stir one another up. We don't need to just simply be in the room together. We need to stir each other up. To what? To love and to good works. This passage is full of faith. And um, we need people in the flesh, face to face, to stir us up. Uh, Scott Sauls uh, says this in his book, uh, Friend. He says, real love, real friendship is vulnerable and risky, and costly, and discomforting, and disquieting, and agitating like sandpaper sometimes. But the alternative is a heart that ends up in a relational casket or coffin. Who wants that? None of us do. But there are times in my life that I've lived in a relational coffin, relational casket, dead relational. Um, and I think the Lord's speaking a word to our church um, that we don't not just need to be in the room together. We need to stir each other up together. We need to love each other together. We need to stir each other up first to love. First, uh, Corinthians 13 says, talks about, Corinthians 12, Paul's talking about all these spiritual gifts that are so great and so meaningful to the church. But then in 13 he says, you could have everything and if you're not loving, it means nothing. So love has to be what we stir each other up to. And the good works, and the good thing is these good works are not things that we have to come up with ourselves. They're things that God has had on his heart from the beginning of time. There are things that God has had on the, his heart for you and for this church from the beginning of time. That's exciting. We need to stir each other up. It's impossible to know who God has made you by yourself. We need each other. Um, one of the, uh, the great uh, encouraging things that happened at um, North America Conference uh, for my wife and I personally was just how many people spoke words into our life um, that came up and said, um, you know, I really believe this for you in faith. And, um, and it's my experience, and we're going to talk about this later if I have time, but um, uh, there are many times where I've wanted to encourage a lot of you and I've fallen silent. And I know that's true for a lot of us in here. And as leaders, uh, one thing, you know, I think God's speaking to our team is, and to all of us that we need to lead out in doing that. So if God gives you a word of encouragement to somebody, um, do it. 
go speak it. It may seem awkward, it may feel weird, but good. Our culture, I think we can all agree, our relational culture is not good. So if it feels wrong, then that's probably an indication we're doing something right. If it feels awkward, that's probably an indication we're doing something countercultural, and it's right. Um, it's hard to step out of your comfort zone, but that's what it means to lead. So point number two, discovering the gifting God has given you means serving others. This is the, the crux of what we're talking about. In our passage and throughout Scripture, we see Jesus serving others. He serves them um, with sacrifice. Jesus obviously sacrifices his life, but he sacrifices his reputation to sit with sinners and to be called a, a sinner and a glutton and a, um, a, f- a friend of sinners, and, and the religious people did not like him. He sacrificed his reputation. So when we're looking on how to find how God has gifted us, we must serve others. There are many needs in our world. There's a lot of suffering. Um, a heart was broken yesterday um, while traveling just to hear about what happened um, at, the, at the synagogue that, where the shooting occurred and many people were, were hurt and, and killed. Um, there's a lot of suffering in our world. God has called us to meet people. But we don't just serve others because they have a need. We serve because we've been printed by God as servants. It's not a reactive thing. It's something that's in us from the beginning. Being truly human means serving. Um, We think Jesus came, uh, we've always heard in sermons and illustrations, at least I have, that Jesus came as a baby. And how cool is that, that the King of Kings came as a baby. It's just God uh, doing a a storytelling mechanic and showing his his humility, and he is. All that's true. But it's an important distinction that um, it's not just a storytelling mechanic or something that's kind of cool, but it's a window into his character. He didn't do it as something he had to do. He did it because it was who he was. It's a character of God. John Ortberg says this, um, when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he was not disguising who God is. He was revealing who God is. Jesus did not come as a servant in spite of the fact that he is God. He came precisely because of the fact that he is God. And that's very, very important. Being a servant is not a response to something. It's a something you were given as image bearers of God, as the Imago Dei, as as children of the King. Discovering the gifting God has given us means serving others. Next point. God uses our pain to help us serve others. Not only is it difficult to discover God's gifting in your life if you do it alone, it's almost impossible to make it through seasons of pain and suffering without serving others and without others. See, the easiest thing to do in times of suffering is to isolate yourself. I've done this uh, more than I would care to admit. Um, Because naturally the easiest thing for me to do in pretty much all circumstances is to close myself off. That's something that my wife and I have dealt with in our marriage, um, that the Lord is using uh, His Spirit to heal. But for me, and um, I imagine for a lot of you, uh, that's a really hard thing. It's easy just to isolate yourself off. Um, In all of our stories, there are threads that we'd rather forget. We'd rather erase and move past, never to remember. But the truth um, that God has shown is that uh, He wants to use that pain and suffering. He wants to use it to serve others. When uh, 
when I've felt overlooked, discouraged, or shameful, um, God has given me an opportunity to meet someone who also feels those things and to serve them because I, I know where they are. Um, and the cool thing about that is that uh, we were talking, Aaron and I were talking one time and I was feeling um, discouraged about something and, and she encouraged me to, she said, do you know anyone else who was discouraged in that same way? I said, well, yeah. Um, she said, go encourage them. And um, I can't tell you what that does for, for what it did for me um, because when you, it's a lot easier, I don't know if y'all have felt this, hopefully it's not just me, but uh, it's a lot easier to encourage others than it is to encourage yourself. It's a lot easier to see God's hand moving in someone else's life than it is to see that same hand in your own life. It's easier to look at your circumstance and say, man, I have faith for you. God is using you and you're going to get through this, but you could be in the exact same circumstance and be like, woe is me. God is never going to get me through this. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. But the cool thing that God uses service to do is that when we serve other people, he reminds us, I'm that and that for you as well. I will get you through that as well. The same faith and confidence that you have for this other person, I, will, I have given to you. Um, and that's, that's just really great that God uses our pain not only to serve, to serve others and to uh, be empathetic towards them, but uh, he uses that serving to also heal us and to bring us back into faith. All right, moving on. Point number, I think, three, four. I don't remember what I'm on, but that's okay. Um, is anyone out there numbering them? So I'm sorry if you're numbering them. Eric, you're probably numbering them, and I'm really making him mad right now. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Eric's holding up a four back there. Um, I love Eric. Uh, me and him work great together, by the way. He is like, my, he is like the not go with the flow, and I'm the go with the flow, and together we, are, we get things done. Um, so anyway, uh, point number four, seeing a need is the beginning of discovering your spiritual gifting. Um, and here's what that means. If, if God brings a need to your heart and spirit, it could be that God is prompting you that he has equipped you to meet that need. He has gifted you to meet that need. I can't tell you how many times God has brought a need to my heart and I've thought, man, somebody needs to do something about that. <laughs> but then I thought, it can't be me because I, I would be terrible at doing that. But God only uses terrible people. He only uses us in spite of how naturally talented we are. God's gifting is not something, it's probably not something that you're especially maybe good at, but he's going he's to meet you. He's going to meet you there. Uh, so many awesome things have happened in our church because people saw needs and because they stepped out in service to meet those needs. Um, just going a quick aside, uh, I mean, obviously... Uh, Holly, Kelly for FSA, um, seeing that need and meeting that need, and that's become something that's a part of our culture. Um, so many things. Um, when Aaron and I came here, we had a, uh, just God had birthed a passion for the nation of Haiti in our hearts, and to see uh, this church step up, and to see uh, you know, Gary and Lynette step up to lead that, and to minister, and to um, just give their, their, their hearts to that, um, has been encouraging. People see needs and meet needs. And that's happened a lot in our church. Um, but the, things, the thing is, is that I believe that in faith that God is bringing needs to mind in this room. And he's calling and equipping some of you to meet those needs. So here's the deal, though. 
I can't meet all those needs. Chad Rogers can't meet all those needs. Um, Trenton Hoggard can't meet all those needs. Cassie Williams can't meet all those needs. Uh, we need everyone. We need all of you. We need every unique gifting that is represented in this church. Because the thing is, is that we all of us together bring our unique gifting together. And like a mosaic, you know, one of those things that were really popular in the 2000s when you'd like take all your pictures and make a bigger picture, you know? Yeah, where'd that go? Um, so uh, that's what it's like, though, is in a mosaic, we see these small giftings all coming together to form a picture, and that picture is Jesus. That picture is his church. Like it says in Scripture, uh, the body of Christ. Some of us are arms, some of us are legs, some of us are livers. Go livers. Um, that's important. Without liver, the church would die. So, um, but for real, though, we all need our gifts. Because here's the deal, okay? The more diverse our relationships, the more we will look like Jesus because none of us perfectly represents Jesus on our own. So we need diverse giftings. We need diverse people in our church. We need um, people who see needs that I'm not going to see. People that see needs that others won't see. We need that. See, we only know our own significance when we see ourselves as a part of the whole church. Um, and I just want to take some time right now just to park a little bit and um, just to practice kind of what, what I was mentioning earlier about encouragement. And um, I've seen a lot of you step out and do some things, and uh, it's just really encouraging. Um, but, uh, yeah, right now I just want to take some time before we close uh, just to encourage some of you to encourage what God is doing in our church. Uh, one, uh, one thing that uh, God's really been ministering to me is uh, Eric, back on the, the slides. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Um, uh, Eric's been a, a great help to uh, Aaron and I uh, in FSM and ministering, and I've seen him step out in faith and uh, just serve well. And that's really encouraging to me. And um, I just want to affirm that to you, brother. Um, Yes, yes, we'll clap. Um, and I've seen, I mean, seen many others step out as well. Um, I, was, I was telling, uh, Aaron and I were talking the other day, and we were saying, you know, if there was uh, one couple that we could learn from when it comes to evangelism and inviting your friends to church, it would be Nathan and Savannah. So um, I just want to affirm them as well that uh, we have a lot to learn from you. And, um, yeah, as soon as we clap, yeah, we clap every time. And... Um, so I could go on and on and on, on and on and on talking about people, but, but this is what we need to be doing. Not up here, not on the stage, but, but walking down, going up to someone and saying it. Yeah, hey, buddy. But uh, that's what we need to be doing. It doesn't need to be a thought process. It needs to be, I was about to hug him, but this thing would go all crazy if I did. Um, but that's what we need to do, and we're going to make some time during communion to do that. That needs to be a part of our culture. So here are our takeaways. Here's what we, here's what I feel like the Spirit is saying to the church through this, this text. Um, your gifts, you individually in this church, your gifts are needed right here and right now. Um, your gifting, not Chad Rogers' gifting, not Cassie Williams' gifting, not Landon Rogers' gifting. I'm just looking at several of you and just calling you out, but... Uh, you have a unique gifting. You have a unique um, passion that God has given you for this church and for the nations, and they're needed. And uh, 
this is, this is the big thing right here. Um, the church needs the present version of you now. So much more than it needs a hypothetical, perfect version of you sometime in the future. Okay? Let me say it again. Um, the church needs the present version of you now much more than it needs a hypothetical, perfect version of you sometime in the ambiguous future. Okay? Um, do I need to say it again? Um, seriously, like, that rocked my world. I was thinking about that earlier this week. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Like, God needs our gifts now because if we wait until we think we're ready, we will never be ready. We will never be ready. And uh, the cool thing is that I know a lot of us are in different life circumstances and for, uh, it's easy to, to, to check out in different life circumstances. And the, the thing is, is I was thinking through my life and being uh, a teenager, being uh, single, being married, and now having kids, and I could think of a myriad of reasons to isolate myself in any of those seasons. I, and I thought of ones that I had used, you know, to say like, oh, I can't, I can't serve, I can't lead because I'm just a teenager. Um, I'm just, uh, I, there's nothing I can contribute to the church because I'm young. And we know that's not true because Scripture tells us it's not true. Let no one despise you because of your youth to be an example in purity and in conduct. We know that's not true. Um, when I was single, I thought, like, I can't serve because I'm not married. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. This church has done a disservice to single people when Paul, in fact, commends single people for being able to have time, extra time, and extra passion to serve. Um, <laughs> when we were first married, I felt, I, I would feel like, oh, I can't serve or I can't do this because um, I don't have kids. Um, it's easy to feel inadequate as a youth pastor when I, when I didn't have kids. Um, but the, the truth is, you see I'm painting a picture here? Any of those circumstances? Now that, I, now that we have a one-year-old, it's easy to say, oh, I, I can't serve because I've got this, this one-year-old and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. There will always be reasons to isolate ourselves. But God's, God wants, to wants us to step out. So, in conclusion, um, the question... I think the Spirit wants to pose is, is where is God calling us? Where is God, God calling you to serve? Um, and a lot of times as a church, um, as a pastor, um, I'm a person that does not want conflict or does not, I'm a pleaser. As I found out uh, during the conference, they had a great time just dealing with some, uh, some childhood wounds. And uh, anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But uh, anyway, I'm a pleaser. So... Uh, when I'll ask people to serve, uh, some of you on the worship team know I will doggedly pursue you if I even think you're capable of playing an instrument. Um, amen. Yeah, there should have been an amen there. Uh, and, uh, but a lot of times I, I, I want people to find it on their own, and, and I don't want to push people. But God was just convicting me the other day. It's like, it's not about me. Like, I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to recruit people to serve in the worship team to serve me. It's to serve Jesus it's to serve this church, and it's to serve you. It's to serve the people that are serving. Like, God wants to use you. So, um, unapologetically, I'm asking, like, those of you uh, who feel called to serve in this church in a place that you're not, we need you. We need you. Not for the betterment of uh, anyone's name, of anyone's personality, not for the betterment of Fellowship Jonesboro, but for the sake of the gospel in this city. We need you. Um, and just seeing a glimpse of what God could do, what God is doing, but what God could do when all of us are together. It's amazing. 
It's amazing to think about. So this morning as we close, I just want to take, uh, as we share communion together, two things I just respond to. One, I encourage you to pray and ask God, where am I serving? Where do you want me to step out? And that's a hard prayer. But I, the spirit, Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So I encourage you to pray and ask God, um, what does it look like for me to serve? Where are you gifting me? Um, and if you're wanting to know where your gifting is, just go serve somewhere. God will show you. Uh, God will reveal it to you. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who are leaders now in various areas of the church and in the world and in the marketplace who um, became that way because they just tried something and God spoke to their souls. So I encourage you to do that. The second thing is, and I really I just call you to do this, um, if you feel a word of encouragement for people in this room during communion, go up to them and share that with them. That is the culture we want to create. Um, uh, we're saying as leaders, that's not awkward, that's right. It may feel awkward, it may feel weird, but that's because our culture is so messed up. So I encourage you, physically go, walk up to somebody and say, hey, I just I felt, feel this encouragement for you. This isn't about just patting people on the back and saying something so we'll, you know, we'll, be, we'll encourage the right people. This is, a, this is a function of the church. This is a function of the spirit in our lives to encourage one another, to speak truth over one another. And as it says in Hebrews, to what? Stir one another up to love and good works. It's in the scripture. So during communion, those two things. Pray, ask God, where would you, where would you have me serve? And say, God, what are some words of encouragement for people in this room? And if you, like me, if you have had a lot of words of encouragement pent up in you and you've just never shared them because you're either, you either say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert, I'm not like that, or I, I can't do that, or, or this, or this, or this. Um, I, I have all the excuses. I know all of them because I've used them. Um, the Spirit is willing. And you don't know what that encouragement would mean to someone in this room. There are people right now who look like they're all together and you think that person knows what they're doing. God's working in them. They're great. I'm not going to go encourage them. It's just going to seem like I'm pandering. But I guarantee you there are people that look like that that are broken on the inside, that are hurting. And they need that encouragement. And God has given it to you to give it. So let's pray. Father, uh, I just pray that your spirit would work. Father, that your spirit would give us words of encouragement for one another, that it would give us uh, promptings of where you would have us serve. Um, I pray that you would um, just break open our, our hard hearts sometimes, Father, that if we have built walls between ourselves and others, we've isolated ourselves. Father, I pray that your spirit would break open those walls. Um, Father, I pray that, um, I pray even more that uh, there would be people in this room that would walk up to people and break down the walls for them. Father, that they would be so encouraging, so in the spirit to encourage people that the walls would be broken down from the outside. <laughs> Father, I pray that we would be dogged in our, uh, in our encouragement. <laughs> Father, I pray that you would do a, just above what we can ask or think. Father, I pray that as you have brought these, these new partners to our church, Father, that you would bring more. Father, that you would give people a, a calling. You would give people uh, places to serve. And Father, I thank you that we do all of this not to try to accumulate any kind of spiritual benefit for ourselves, 
because we can never do that. Because everything that could ever be done for you to love us, for you to approve of us has been done on the cross and is finished. So Father, if there are people in this room who do not know that, who are sitting here and just like, I just, I just don't understand. Father, may your spirit remove the scales from their eyes. Father, may your spirit speak to them. Father, may they know that you say in your word <laughs> that you love them and you pursued them and that you are willing and you are able to save them. So, Father, I just pray that people would meet you, that people would be moved from death to life today. Father, for your glory and for the sake of the gospel in our city, our church, and the nations, Father, we pray this in your name. If you all agree with that, why don't you say amen. Amen.